Welcome to Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast where you ditch the diet drama, banish body shame, and reclaim your life, all while creating a body you love. When it comes to body drama, your host, Carmela Romalia, has been there, done that, has the t-shirt, and wrote the books. And now, here's Carmela. And here we are with episode two already. So just in case you were keeping track and you are one of those types of people that likes to listen to episodes in order, I finished episode one with a big cliffhanger and a mic drop. The price, the price you have to pay to get the body of your dreams is twofold. One, you have to give up the diet and exercise model. And two, you have to give up your own self-hatred. Bada bing, bada boom. Now, anywhere in there, did I say you have to love yourself? Nope. I just said you had to give up your self-hatred. Now, those are two very distinct things. They are related, but they are distinct. So before we get into that, I want to take a little backpedal here and let you know how this goes, just in case this happens to be the first episode you are listening to. Um, my name is Carmela Romalia. All of this stuff is based on healing my own pain, shame, and drama around my own issues with my body and my weight. So it is content that is original content based on personal experience and content based on the experience of teaching Pilates for 20 plus years and witnessing the relationships other women have with their bodies and actually coaching and working with other women in these issues in my capacity as the happy calories girl. I've written two books. The first one is called Happy Calories Don't Count, Neither Does Unhappy Exercise. And the second one is called Food Is Not a Four-Letter Word, which is also the name of this podcast. Now, if you are one of those types of people that you want information in order, you know, A to B to C to D, I recommend that you read the books. <laughs> when I'm doing the podcast, everything is so interconnected. I uh, it is such, such a major, tremendous, fundamental mindset shift to get out of the diet and exercise model, to get out of the matrix, to get out of diet drama land and find your way to peace, freedom, joy, happiness, vitality, beauty, empowerment, optimism, and the body of your dreams. It requires such a mindset shift and everything is so interconnected and everything is very nuanced. And so... I will go down tangents. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to go down tangents. So I don't have I don't have a script in front of me. I have some basic ideas that I basically want to talk about because something inspired me or something like that. So these podcasts are not they're not going to be this is the specific topic. Every topic is interrelated with every other topic and I'm just going to tell you that up front. So here we go. This whole body love, body positivity thing. Um, it's a good thing. I I fully support the idea that that you are at peace with your body. That's my job. My whole job is to help you feel good in your body and help you feel good about your body because your body is the vehicle through which you experience life. So if your experience of your body is unhappy, 
that is also going to color the experience of your life. And I'm here to help you optimize the quality of your life by healing your relationship with your body so that you feel good in your body and feel good about your body on your way to optimizing your state of health, vitality, well-being, beauty, and joy. So body positivity. Yeah, I'm all about that. But am I? The truth is yes, just not necessarily in the way that it is often presented in our culture at this particular moment in time. So one of these one of the people that that you know I am aware of and I'm not calling anyone out specifically because everyone's everyone's doing really great work the best that they can, right? So there is this one really popular um, group movement. Uh, uh, I don't even know what else to call it. Uh, idea out there, calling themselves body image, body positivity, you know, all of that, all of that good stuff. And I find myself at odds with her, oftentimes. And and it's not because anything that she is doing is wrong. Everything she's doing is great. And the messages and, and, and what she is doing to try to help empower women is great. Where I have conflict is that she, even she herself has not gotten to the deep, 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 deep core issue. And because of that, she is still trying to help people heal and transform their relationships to themselves and their relationships to their bodies within the context of the diet and exercise model. And I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, and because of that, there's always going to be a bugaboo. There's, there's always going to be a little monkey on your back. There's always, there's, you just really can't break free. And so this is what I'm going to describe. I was first made aware of this woman through social media. And apparently, if you just take the very surface level story of what was going on, this is just, you know, another Joe Blow, another Jane Blow, you know, just just another girl, just another one of us who is, you know, struggling mightily trying to, you know, deal with all of the the internal and external pressures that we have being women and trying to look pretty and be healthy and and feel fit and strong in our bodies in a world, you know, that suggests unrealistic standards. Uh, and especially those standards are oftentimes amplified with digital retouching, you know, that kind of thing. So this woman posts a posts a image on social media that is a non-traditional before and after. And that image goes viral. And then based on that, that image is what has started her life work. And again, I think her life work rocks. More power to you. I am all about supporting uh, what she's trying to do in the world. This is where the nuance comes into play. This, this is where I, I need to take a step back and say, okay, now wait a minute. We need to really look at what's happening and we really need to reframe things for, for a bit. So if, if you listen to this woman's story... Her story is that, like most of us, she just felt bad about her body, and, and she didn't like what she was seeing. And so she was going to motivate herself. She enrolled in a fitness competition, you know, one of those bodybuilder things where you have to prance around the stage in a bikini and get judged by everybody. 
And so she did it. She put in the hard work. She did the dedication. She did the workouts. She did the restrictive dieting. She did all of that stuff. And she did it. She got that body. It was amazing. She got that body. And what she realized was that she was still unhappy. She realized that it was not the body that it was making her happy. And she also realized that all of the the work, the time, the effort, all of that stuff to get this body just wasn't really worth it. And what kind of lesson was she leaving? What legacy was she leaving for her daughter? You know, what was she teaching her children about her own? What, what was she teaching her children about their relationships with their body by having them observe her actions? All of that's very, very noble. And then she launched into this new thing that she's doing, which again, I think is great. The problem from a happy calories perspective is that she she doesn't how how am I going to say this? What's the what's the word that I'm really looking for? Um, she doesn't pop the balloon. Uh, what what she is still saying, based on her story, is that you could. You could look like a super Ms. Fitness bikini model body if you put in the time and effort and the insane amount of workouts and the insane restrictive dieting to do it. You could do it. You could do it. It's just to her, it's not worth it. And and aren't we supposed to be more than just like a, an image? Aren't our bodies more than just something to be um, – to be viewed at by men or, you know, what, whatever the thing is. Um, and so therefore it's just, it's not really a great use of our time and our emotions and our energy. And so let's change the culture and let's just, let's just love ourselves the way we are roles and all, and all that kind of stuff. Now there are elements in there that are very, very, very good and very powerful and things that I very much support things like, yes, you, well, I wouldn't go as far I'm never going to tell anybody that they have to love their body. That that that's a whole nother topic and I've got a note down here and it might even end up at the end of this podcast. It might show up in a different episode. I don't know. Again, I told you everything is connected. Um but but because her story still is based on that diet and exercise model. It's that's still the bedrock. She says, "You eat this, you exercise this, you get this body. Oh, for me it wasn't worth it." So let's not eat this and exercise that. Let's not have, let, let's be bigger than the diet and exercise model. Let's, let's, let's just, you know, throw caution to the wind and we'll rise up as women and we're just going to love ourselves and, and sisterhood and all that stuff. And again, there's, there are a lot of good things in there. But what happens is there is a whole segment of the population and I know them, I speak with them. I, I know exactly what they're thinking. Excuse me, water break. So the problem is there's a whole section of the population that are afraid to give up the diet and exercise model because they don't want the roles. And then we get we get into this, this thing where instead of having a sisterhood, it kind of becomes us and them in a way. It's kind of like, oh, I'm a body lover. I'm a body positivity person. Oh, and and you you don't really love your body enough because you don't like the role around your middle and you want to change that. Therefore, you're bad. Um, 
And then there are the people that are not ready or they're afraid to give up the lifestyle of the pain and the drama of of the diet and exercise model because they fear that if they do, they'll end up with rolls around the middle, right? So we end up in this in this kind of culture war in a way about body positivity and all of that stuff, which at its heart, again, is supposed to be a good thing. But because of the way that it's initially approached and it doesn't pop the balloon of the diet and exercise model, it leaves a whole segment of the population adrift. It doesn't address it. And so that's the gap that I fill. That's where happy calories don't count comes into play. Because I'm going to tell you right here, right now, your problem is not what you think it is. All right. So this whole movement is based on the idea that the diet and exercise model really works because she did it. She she did the workouts. She did the the starvation dieting or the restrictive dieting or eating the rice and, and boiled chicken or whatever it is that the bodybuilders eat. And she got those results. OK, I am here to tell you that that may have been her experience, but that's not always the case. I did the bodybuilder thing. I ate rice and boiled chicken for months and weeks, and I did those workouts. Yes, um, I, ha- I have a long sorted history with all of this stuff. So so believe me when I tell you it. I can relate to just about everything, just about anything. I've been there, done that, have the t-shirts, wrote the books. So in terms of this body bodybuilder thing, I did do that. And I did it 110%. And I never got that body. I never had the body that could go up, that could go up on stage. And I don't like to get into my story too much here, necessarily on the podcast, again, because Everything's interrelated, and it's so easy for me to go down a tangent and end up in a rabbit hole that if you're really interested, you know, check out the website, read the books, whatever. I have a ton of videos on my YouTube channel. Um, you, You don't even need to be a client. There are so many resources out there on the Internet about my story and about what I know and about all of these things that I just don't want to take the time to do that right here, right now. So we're getting back to this diet and exercise model thing. I am sure if you're someone listening to this podcast that you have had the experience of doing a diet and exercise program and maybe it works for a while, but then it stops working. You know, you hit that mass, this mysterious plateau that everyone talks about. And then for whatever reason, uh, you continue to do it or you don't continue to do it, but it, it never really works the way it's supposed to work. Or maybe you've had times in your life where you just weren't worried about it. You were too busy. You were getting married. You were planning your wedding or you were in school and you had finals or you were dealing with children or or a sick parent or or whatever it was that life threw at you. And and you just weren't thinking about things in those terms. You didn't take up any of your brain space. And you weren't eating particularly quote unquote well, you know, you still had your cookies here and there and whatever, but you know what? You lost weight somehow. That just that just kind of happened, right? So there are a couple of things that we need to talk about when it comes to this diet and exercise model to completely debunk it. And one is First off, since this is theoretically supposed to be the body image, body positivity episode, I told you, things are just going to get all twisted and turned. Um, 
what what is really causing your pain and your shame around your body and your weight is this. Yes, you are absolutely responsible for what you eat. No one else is going to have you eat that cookie. No one else is shoving that ice cream down your throat. Um, no one else is, you know, making you eat the steak or the rice or the potatoes or whatever the food may be. You are absolutely responsible for what you eat. And you are absolutely responsible for what you do for exercise. No one's got, it's no one else's business whether or not you're lying around on the couch all day or whether you're training for a triathlon. You are the one that is responsible for your exercise. That is absolutely truth. But the fact that you are responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise does not mean that you can control your weight your shape, your body, through diet and exercise. That is the fallacy. Now, one of two things is probably happening right now. Um, <laughs> as I just dropped that bombshell on you, for some of you, you're going to be like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Glory, hallelujah. It's not my fault. Oh, thank God. Oh my goodness, I, I have peace. It's like that, that monkey is off my back. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Oh my God. Thank you, Carmela. I feel so much better. All right. Then there's going to be another half of you that are completely freaking out. <laughs> You're like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. If I can't control my body through what I eat and what I do for exercise, how am I going to control my body? And if I can't control my body, how am I going to be okay? And, and how, how, and you go down that rabbit hole. And believe me, I've been there. Okay. So don't just turn off the, iPod or, you know, whatever it is you're listening to this on, you know, keep listening. It's good. It's going to get better. I promise. But that, that is where your pain is. Your pain is because you think it's your fault. Because the entire culture is built around this diet and exercise idea. Everyone, like, it's just, it's just in the ethers. It's, it's in the very fabric of society that you look at yourself in the mirror or you even unconsciously look at and judge other people. And the idea is that if you are not the size or shape you want to be, you are at best unmotivated or undisciplined or at worst you're lazy or you're stupid because everybody knows how to lose weight, right? It's just this diet and exercise thing. And so if you just do that, then you'll get the results. And that is absolutely not true. Okay, we need, I need to say that again. The fact that you are responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise does not mean that you can control the outcome. And it's really interesting because we do this with our bodies, but we recognize the fallacy in other in industries. We just can't really bring it back to our body again because of, you know, we're living in the matrix. So, for example, an attorney can do everything right. You know, whether the client is guilty or innocent or whatever it is, they can have all of the pieces of evidence. They can just give an Academy Award winning, logical, bulletproof, like DNA evidence laid out X, Y, Z, slam, bam, case closed, and it's still up to a jury. And the jury can still find in opposition to whatever 
the attorney was arguing, right? You can have a surgeon do everything by the book. You can have them read all of the test data and all of this and and do the procedure flawlessly and everything everything is done right and still have a a negative outcome, an unexpected outcome, whatever it is. And so I I I, I was I was about to say you you can still do everything right and then have a bad outcome. And then I had to check myself um, because you know we are talking about bodies and weight. And and this is deeply personal to us and it's deeply important to us. And so I don't want to say the word bad outcome. We can say unexpected outcome because when you really get into the happy calories way of thinking, it's everything is a message from your body. You are in partnership with your body. You're in relationship with your body and you are trying to understand what your body is trying to communicate with you because your body knows your body knows how to create that optimized state of health, vitality, well-being, beauty, and joy. It's always guiding you in that direction. Your body needs you as much as you need it. It can't exist without you, just like you can't exist without it. And everything you do affects it. So it is in its own best interest to communicate with you in ways that you can understand. And so when you're when you're thinking in those terms, then it's not necessarily a bad outcome. It's like, oh, it's an unexpected outcome outcome. Okay, now what what is my body trying to tell me now? What what do I need to learn now? What's the next step? And it it is it is kind of like an evolutionary process, kind of, or maybe maybe going down the ab- rabbit hole into Wonderland. Um, I will I will give you that. But I'm talking about changing the model. So when we get back to these ideas about changing the model, let me throw out some other little gems that uh, that just pop up, you know, when I'm first speaking to people or speaking about this topic. And one is, yes, what you eat is absolutely important. I am never going to not to deny that. Your food choices are critical, but they're not important the way you think. And the same with exercise. It's very important that you move your body every day. You know, exercise is vitally important. Again, not the way you think. You know, we we have been taught in this culture that food and exercise are important in this balance sheet, teeter-totter kind of relationship because it is this dynamic tension between food and exercise that is going to give us the results or lack of results or influence our body shape and size and well-being and all of that stuff. And that is the flaw. That's the flawed model. All right. Food is important because food is one of the ways you express yourself in relationship to your body. Food's important because your body wants food, not because of anything about the exercise or anything about the food itself. It's important because your body wants it. And if you are in relationship with your body and you're trying to do what's best with your, for your body, you're going to give your body what it wants. And you're going to give your body whatever kind of food it wants, whenever it wants, because your body's in charge. The same thing with exercise. You know, exercise is very important. But exercise has absolutely nothing at all to do with burning calories or losing weight. I know that sounds crazy. It may even sound blasphemous, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Exercise has absolutely nothing at all to do with burning calories or losing weight. Exercise is important because your body wants to move. And because your body wants it, you want it. And and there are a lot of deep psychological uh, dominoes, I guess, that just kind of fall 
from these basic fundamental truths. As I, as I was talking about in the first episode, all of the drama, all of the dysfunction, all of the pain, all of the craziness is because we are trying to override our body's natural instincts to go into a diet and exercise model that demands that we disconnect from our body to create some external result that we think we want. And it's that disconnecting from our body that requires all of the gymnastics. It's the thing that requires all of the crazy head games and mind games and motivations and all that junk we do. So when you knock that pillar down, a lot of stuff also falls away. So here I am in the first first few episodes. I'm taking my sledgehammer and I'm just going to start knocking things down. So and and again, I understand it can be scary. And again, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance. So when I'm speaking about things from a happy calories don't count perspective, that that covers everything. Happy calories isn't going to tell you what to eat, how much or when. It's not going to tell you what to do for exercise. It's not going to tell you what to do for your specific health. It is a framework, a perspective, a lens through which you can view your situation so that you stand in your most personal power and you can connect with your body and make the most effective choices that will be the most helpful for you. All right, so let's get back to some of these other these other fallacies, these other kind of mindset mindset thingies. So one, it, food is not a four-letter word. It's not about the food. Now, there's a whole, whole uh, area of psychology and emotional eating, and, and I don't think this is the podcast to do it. So we're going to do that in a separate one. But uh, this whole thing where there's this mantra, it's not about the food, because they think, oh, it's not about the food. It's about your underlying emotion. It's about your daddy issues or your mommy issues or your self-esteem or whatever. And, and then because you're not dealing with those, then you're going to seek comfort in food. So it's not about the food. You address these other underlying issues, and then you heal your relationship with that, and then you can just be on a diet and be okay with it. So I'm not talking about that when I'm saying it's not about the food. I'm talking about it's literally not about the food. Because if it were about the food, we should all have the same result, right? If it were about the food, the food should have the same result. And this is one of the things when people want to get all sciencey on me. Um, you know, if it's about the food. So for example, something like, who drinking bleach? That should kill you, right? So something super horrible, something insanely out there, that kind of example, that will have the same result on everybody because it's about the bleach. The bleach is poison. Bleach is poison. So don't drink it because if you drink it, you will die, right? But food is not like that. You know, most foods, I would say, like the non-poisonous foods, um, you know, apples, peanut butter, steak, eggs, you know, what, what, what most people think of as food, right? So so we're not going to go off on crazy examples and just try to prove me wrong with one little example you can find out there. You know, take this in the spirit with which it's offered. The spirit is to try to heal you from your pain, shame, and drama around your body and your weight. And if you want to go down and find some crazy little example to prove me wrong, I'm sure you could find that. All right. So this is a sober conversation about like, it's not about the food. Because if it were about the food, you would have the same response to everybody. And you think about it. You do a diet and you do an exercise program and you don't get results. And what happens? Well, first off, people are going to think you're cheating, right? Then if you can finally convince them that you're not cheating, 
oh, well, then there must be something wrong with your metabolism. You know, it's, it's this mysterious thing called metabolism that no one really knows, but what it is, um, and I'm sure you could, you could Google it and it'll say something about, you know, the metabolic processes that convert something in, your, something in the food to something in your cells, blah, blah, blah. It's this process, but nobody really knows what it is or how it works. And so all these, there are all these diets out there, oh, boost your metabolism, master your, your metabolism, or whatever it is kind of thing. So let's, let's clear this one up, okay? So if you've been around the block a few times, if you've been part of the fitness community, if you've been in gyms, if you've dealt with personal trainers, if you've been in the bodybuilder world, any of that kind of stuff, I'm sure you have heard the analogy of where people talk about your metabolism like being a fire, a furnace, a fire. And so the idea is that you want to get this fire super, super hot um, because then then you'll have this nuclear metabolism, you know, like teenage boys that can just seem to pack away the food. You know, they'll eat six pizzas and six gallons of ice cream and they're still hungry and they're growing like weeds and they have zero body fat. You know, it's like this nuclear metabolism we're trying to get by controlling our food and our exercise. So we're going to nitpick our food and we're going to nitpick our exercise to master this thing called metabolism. And the idea is that metabolism is this fire and that your food is the fuel and your exercise is the heat because fuel and heat make fire, right? Okay, where are my Boy Scouts and my Girl Scouts and my Campfire Girls and my Science Club people? You can't create fire in a vacuum. You need more than fuel and heat to create fire. So there is something else going on. You need oxygen. There's that third element. So you need something else going on. It's not just the food. It's not just the exercise. And people try to bring it all down to that in in diet drama land. Now, it's really interesting because now there's this whole pharmaceutical industry out there that's putting out all of the commercials um, on, on the networks that they think the older Americans are watching and, and during, you know, dinner and late evening hours about like, oh, well, ask your doctor about such and such a job, dr uh, drug. Ask, ask your doctor about this other drug. You know, when, when diet and exercise is not enough, try this drug. You know, so now and so now they're backpedaling that kind of thing. But that's just to show you, you know, you are in the matrix and you don't even know it. If you really take a beat, you take a breath, you drop in and you really start to think about all the different areas of your life that you are getting influenced by these ideas that it's what you eat, how much you eat, when you eat, it's what exercise, this, this just, it's just default. It's just, it's just, you, you make these leaps and these assumptions and these conclusions about yourself without even recognizing that you're doing it. All right. So that I, I spent a whole lot of time, like I didn't even think I'd talk about this, this episode, um, based on this, thinking that you're doing that. Okay, so back to the body image thing, the body positivity thing. So this movement never questions that idea. So there are a lot of movements out there. And, and the basic thesis of these movements are, hey, we as women 
are made to feel bad about ourselves and our bodies because we don't match some external cultural ideal of what a beautiful person is. And of course, that ideal is oftentimes, you know, that body type that is one in eight million, you know, and then it's photoshopped on top of that. So, so we, we are held hostage. So we're going to break free, you know, so, so stop feeling bad about yourself um, and just, you know, embrace yourself and love yourself the way you are. Don't, don't try to hold yourself up to some external standard of beauty. That is the good part. That's the good thing. Yes. Don't worry about comparing yourself to anybody else. You are you. Em- embrace yourself, love yourself, you know, and uh, there I go. Um, so yes, loving yourself is a good thing. And I promised you I'd never tell you to love yourself. And there I was. I just did it. Um, do it if you can. Don't worry about it. I'll get to that in a minute. All right. Um, so the idea is, hey, you know, just stand up against it. Well, it never says that it doesn't work. It never says that it's a flaw. It never, those movements never address that concern about, but what if I do want to be pretty? And, and what it, what if I am within five pounds of that external ideal, you know, and, and it's, it's in a way, it's kind of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So, you know, this one, this one particular person and movement that's doing really great work, they're doing really great work, but it's it's founded on the idea that, well, she did have that body because she got it through hard work, and then she just decided that it wasn't worth her time, effort, or energy, um, and it was taking time away from her daughter, and what was she teaching her daughter, and her body should be so much more than that when you think about it from a philosophical perspective. She never says it doesn't work, and she never says it doesn't work long term, and she never explains why, and that is the thing that needs to happen. You absolutely cannot get to that place of true freedom and true healing, you can't get to that place of connecting to your body if you're really afraid that, you know, I, I, you know, you know, that real, that, that, you know, that whole diet and exercise thing, it works. And, you know, I'm trying to trick myself around it. And, uh, you know, I'm trying this intuitive eating thing or this, this listen to my body thing, but you know what, I'm still really worried about all those calories. You'll never get there. So you have to, that is the first step. I've got five steps in the happy calories don't count method. That is the first step. You have to get out of the matrix. You have to stop thinking in terms of diet and exercise. And I don't know how long these podcasts are going to be. I'm looking at the time clock and it's like 35 minutes already. Um, I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's bad. I don't know if these should be shorter. I don't know if they should be longer. It's just me waxing philosophical. So we'll see how it goes. Um, So Anyway, back to this thing, that's why people stay stuck in these body image movements. Now, that that's the first layer, okay? Then there is the layer of people who feel badly about themselves and their bodies, or they feel bad. They feel bad? They feel badly. I don't know. You can let me know. Um, they, they just... They feel bad about themselves. Okay, they feel bad about themselves. They feel bad about their bodies because the outside's wor- the outside world is telling them that they need to do X, Y, Z to look a certain way, and they don't think that they can. It's like they don't think that they can um, have the. It's such an obstacle. 
It, it like maybe maybe it's like 50 pounds or whatever it is that they think they need to lose but it's it's such an obstacle and they feel so bad about it that instead of d- addressing the issue which again for me for a happy calories perspective it's not about the weight we're just going to make up the number 50 pounds it's not about the 50 pounds that they might need to lose again i don't care how much you weigh what for me what it's about is about the relationship with the body so what happens is these there's the segment of, of people who will then think, oh, my God, it's such an obstacle. I don't think I can do that. So instead of even addressing it, what they do is they hide behind the body positivity thing. And then it's like, oh, you can't tell me anything. You can't tell me. You can't comment on my body because then you're you're just not loving me the way I am. And it's not bo- and I'm not going to be body positive about body positive about it or any of those other things or else even not even talking to other people, an external thing, but even within themselves. It's this idea of I'm not going to address it. It's too scary for me to address. So I'm just going to hide behind the body positivity idea. And then that's not creating healing and transformation. So so there are so, there's there's a lot of stuff that gets in here that is that is potentially toxic. You know, there is a deep, dark, negative side to the whole body positivity thing. And then there are people that perhaps it is a a spiritual, personal, emotional development thing that they need to go through um, that's a legitimate thing. They, They legitimately have these issues that they need to heal and transform, but they don't go down that path because within the context of body positivity, oftentimes, depending on the group that you're associating with, there can be this idea that, well, if you even want to change your body at all, well, then you're just not living yourself the way that you are. You know, that it, it can be just as clicky and just as vicious as it is just in diet drama land, simply, simply because that core initial diet and exercise linchpin has not been broken. All right. So I think, yeah, it's almost 40 minutes. I think, I think I've been talking your ear off enough. Um, I want to go back to this whole self-hatred thing. Okay. So like I said, I'm never going to tell you that you need to love yourself. I'm never going to tell you that you need to love your body because love is something that cannot be compelled. And that is not my quote. My friends, that is a quote from Viktor Frankl. And in case you don't know who he is, um, he's he's kind of a hero to me. Um, he is a psychiatrist who survived Auschwitz. He survived actually three, three or four Nazi concentration camps. And, and he 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 was a victim of the Holocaust. He was in there. And it resonates with me on a deep, deep level. Um, because if you are anorexic, you have the same type of, I'm not, I'm not even really sure what the word is. So again, it, I'm not, I'm not saying in any stretch of the imagination that, you know, like, Ooh, I lived through a Nazi concentration camp. Like that would be ridiculous. Right. But I I don't think a lot of people really understand the emotional, psychological, and spiritual toll 
it takes on a human being to deliberately not just override their body's instincts, because you're doing that all day long. If you're living in diet trauma land, you're doing it all day long and you get it. It, it, it's, it's the craziness. It's the, I don't have time for this. It's, it's the stress and the drama and all of that. But then when you take that to the extreme, that you are deliberately withholding food from yourself, you are deliberately killing yourself in slow motion. The amount you, you have the equivalent, whatever the equivalent would be, of a type of SS guard in your head. And, and Frankel himself has even said that. So I, I'm not out of, I'm not being all dramatic, you know, and all self-important and grandizing when I say that. No, he, he wrote that in Man's Search for Meaning, which is one of his books. It's one of my favorite books. Um, he actually said that. So there's this idea that love can be compelled. If you're trying, if you're trying to say, oh, just love yourself, love yourself, whatever. No, love cannot be compelled. What you can do is you can stop hating yourself. You can stop doing all of those millions of little things that you do all day long that you might not even realize that you're doing. A lot of them are probably unconscious. You know, how you check yourself in the mirror, how you check the little roll around your middle, how you check to see if you still have cellulite on your butt or if you're getting a new wrinkle on your face. Whatever it is, there are a million little things you do all day long that undermine your sense of self and lead to your self-hatred. And those are the things you got to stop doing. You don't have to do anything at all to love yourself. All you got to do is stop hating yourself. And when you stop hating yourself, suddenly there's a whole bunch of space. You've given yourself some grace. And in that space, and in that grace, you start to feel better. And in that space and in that grace where you are starting to feel better, you can start to connect with your body in a deeper, more meaningful way. And you can start to maybe even hear some of the whispers, some of the guidance it's trying to offer. And since you have stepped out of the matrix, since you have completely and utterly decided that you are no longer thinking in terms of diet and exercise, and I know that's hard, uh, because you've done that, you don't feel that that isn't an extra little cycle that comes back to make you feel bad about yourself. So you've stopped all of that stuff and you have this space. And in that space, there is the opportunity for self-love, for body love, for, pers- for all of that stuff to grow. So I'm never going to tell you that you have to love yourself. Now, I might misstep. I might have a slip up in the words like I just did earlier in the podcast. But, you know, I catch myself because that's a really, really, really big thing for me. You do not have to love yourself. Loving yourself is like saying, oh, you just got to get to Jupiter. You know, no, no, you don't have to do that. Don't have to do that at all. Just stop hating yourself and watch how your world transforms. Have a good day. I'll talk to you later. Bye.
If you enjoyed this program, help it out. Give it a like, subscribe, follow, share. You know the drill. If you want to learn more about me, my books, programs, and services, visit my website, carmelaramalia.com. And don't worry, if you can't spell my name, you can also always find me at happycalories.com. Take care. Take care.